Welcome to the new era by Web3 Connect. We're helping you break barriers and build brands in Web3, the next generation of internet. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Web3, the new era. Today, we have the founders of the Jittery Ape Coffee here with us, Chris and Brittany. They are starting their coffee brand based out of Nashville, Tennessee, but plan to reach consumers across the globe with their new coffee flavors that just launched this past weekend, alongside their goal to promote kindness, sustainability, and real-world utility as core values of Web3, spanning across both the Solana and Wax blockchains. They plan to build a physical brick-and-mortar coffee shop to impact the local community while also shipping their products globally and establishing a decentralized autonomous organization, aka DAO, that will give investors voting rights on their strategic direction in addition to profit sharing directly linked to the success of their brand overall. If you want to hear Brittany and Chris talk about their motives for starting the Jittery Ape Coffee, outlook for their brand and Solana as a whole, and their goal of pioneering the way for real-world utility projects to make a long-standing impact on Web3, then keep on listening. All right, and we are live. So today we have the founders of the Jittery Ape Coffee here with us, Brittany and Chris. So I will pass it over to you both to tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, so uh, my name is Chris, and I'm one of the co-founders of the Jittery Ape, uh, along with my wife. We are based in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're really just looking to push some real-world utility with utilizing our coffee, expanding over to building a physical coffee shop, and eventually incorporating into a DAO. So. Yeah, that's just a little bit about the project overall. And hey there, I am Brittany, and we also go by Framed and Tiny in the internet world, and we're the founders of the Jittery Ape. Awesome. Thank you for that. How long have you both been in kind of the crypto and NFT space? And I guess, how did you first get into NFTs specifically? Yeah, so I would say my journey started um, maybe about a year and a half or close to two years ago, whenever AMC and like GameStop and stuff had its initial like bull run. And then from there, I just kind of found NFTs through other like crypto, you know, platforms that I was a part of and had some friends jump into like the NFT bandwagon. And so I just kind of joined in and it's been a ton of fun ever since. And I'm right there with him. I kind of Followed suit shortly after when we started learning about some play to earn on the Wax blockchain that we are very interested in and that a lot of friends over there. So once we learned of some play to earn aspects and NFTs on that side, then I kind of easily fell into the world as well. Very cool. I always love hearing about people's origin story of how they got here because it's oftentimes so different and oftentimes is word of mouth. I personally found my way into the rabbit hole of NFTs through TikTok, but there are so many ways to onboard people now. And I think having a real world utility project is 100% one of the ways to do that. Is the Jittery Ape something that you guys are working on full time or do you have kind of a separate job in real life that you do? Yep. So it is actually my full-time job. Brittany and I have both been very fortunate and to make some pretty good real estate investments. And so that's caused me to be able to take this on full-time. Brittany does have a full-time job, which she can tell you about. Yeah, I've got the IRL job, you know, health benefits and such that we've got to have around here. But I work with a health tech company and um, I won't give too much information about it, but this is Chris's full-time job and I do it probably 
a little bit more than a part-time job. Real estate is the way to go if you're trying to, you know, go off and do your own ventures. Having that passive income is just absolutely crucial. And specifically about your company, the Jittery Ape Coffee, I know you talked about it a little bit toward the beginning in your introduction, but can you just give a little more context and background on how this idea sort of originated and what you guys are hoping to achieve in the long term? Yeah. So really the thought kind of came out of a necessity, so to speak. My previous career, which was a structural automotive collision repair, which is very daunting and very demanding of me, both physically and mentally. They demand a lot of hours of you. Um, I would typically work 60 plus hours a week. And in that line of work, you're typically very stressed out. Um, it was essentially my job to facilitate and make sure everyone within a body shop got paid and got paid correctly from the insurance companies. And so it just ended up taking a toll on me. And so one day, Brittany and I sat down and kind of, you know, made a game plan and set up, you know, some goals and decided what we could do. And um, we've been very fortunate enough that we've, you know, worked hard and been able to hit those goals. And so here we are today, just, just kind of doing it. That's incredible. And kind of touching on what you're trying to grow into with this coffee brand, did you have the brand before integrating it with NFTs or did the NFT come first and you kind of wanted to create a brand around that infrastructure? Yeah. So I actually initially had the thought based around the, the brand itself and then through some research with friends and stuff like in like the Solana and Wax ecosystems, just learned that utilizing NFTs as essentially a Kickstarter just seemed like the perfect fit for our project. Interesting. You're planning on having a physical store. Is that correct? Right. Yeah. So, so it'll be based uh, here in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay, neat, neat. I'm wondering, does the coffee rely on the store? Could you ship out your own brand of coffee to holders as well? Because I also don't imagine that everyone that invests is going to be in that Tennessee area, or maybe am I misunderstanding? No, so our, our coffee is available via just plain old Web2. It actually launches uh, this Saturday. We'll have our first two flavors that are coming out. Huge thanks to our beta testers. We sent out several samples of coffee and literally got the best ones to go up front. But yeah, our coffee is available what will be available to purchase just by anyone on our website starting on Saturday. And then moving forward, you know, as far as being here in the store, we will offer added benefits for people that are local. But no, we always plan on having, you know, the availability to ship out coffee to anyone that would like it. I think I had seen on your Twitter page that with the purchase of your coffee this weekend, you get a free NFT airdrop. Is that correct? Or is it kind of through whitelist? Like, how is that working? No, yeah, so we're essentially going to do that for the first 100 bags that are sold. But yeah, they will be airdropped, a free NFT. We are working on pushing our first collection out. There will be two NFT mints for this season. We're deeming this essentially season one. So there will be two. But yeah, when, when you do purchase a bag of coffee this weekend, it does come with a free airdropped NFT for our first collection. Very cool. I know I will definitely be <laughs> looking on there. Hopefully you guys have decaf because I stopped drinking caffeine recently. But, but can you talk a little bit about what a consumer gets from holding one or more of your NFTs? Because I we did read through your white paper and it does outline the, the utility pretty well. But at a high level, just for listeners, like, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So essentially, um, it's going to be tier based, uh, depending on how many that you own you'll get like a structured percentage off. And then there's also going to be additional added benefits. Since we are going to be expanding into a LLC DAO, we will be looking at offering, of course, governance tokens and uh, all of that kind of stuff once we get a little bit further along. But yeah, essentially it's, it's just tier-based 
percentages off. Uh, so there's also a, a welcome box, which is part of that tier structure as well. Everyone who mints a certain amount of NFTs will also receive a box of goods. Essentially, wherever you are in the world, we'll be sending that out. We budgeted 6% of our mint proceeds to send out those welcome boxes to consumers. Gotcha. That's actually pretty awesome. Kind of side note, but not really unrelated. I was looking through your Discord and it was one, really well put together. But two, I noticed there were a lot of onboarding materials kind of for someone who might have never heard of the Wax ecosystem. I personally haven't or even like how to download and set up a phantom wall and whatnot, which is great. I mean, I love seeing that. You don't see a lot of Discords doing that too often. It does make me wonder, since you're having a brick and mortar store, is it essential that the people that are buying from you have some kind of interaction with crypto and with your NFT? Or is there not much incentive to be engaged with the crypto ecosystem when they go into your store? So ideally for a brick and mortar here in Middle Tennessee, the average customer walking in won't have their Solana wallet up ready to pay for coffee. I think that's something that we would love to educate the community about and be breaking through, be, be new in that space. But if there is someone local that does have our NFTs or have part of our project that they own, then yes, we'd like to offer them like a in-house benefit. But as far as the regular average customer, I think they're still coming from a web two face if you think about it that way. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. It's actually one of the reasons I'm excited to even learn about your whole project in general. I'm really bullish on people that are trying to kind of grow the pie and just onboard new people. And it, it seems like you're going to be able to deliver value back to your customers in a way that's different from the coffee, which is why I'm super, super excited to see what you guys build out. Yeah, we're pretty excited. We're still, you know, far away from actually having that physical shop, but there's so many great ideas that we come up with. We've already been collecting artwork that we would like to display in the shop that we've bought through NFTs and, you know, the, being able to offer maybe a place for people to buy NFTs or teach them how to buy the artwork in-house. There's so many possibilities. Yeah. Like I even had the idea to uh, designate like a wall within the coffee shop and all of our like NFT holders, especially in the beginning, when we do that first like airdrop of governance tokens, all of those people can go like on a wall somewhere, whether it be like just like their name or their photo or like their PFP, whatever the case may be. I do want to bring some honor to those people that did support us in the early stages of development in the project. I love that you guys are doing that. I couldn't agree with Noland more. Like a huge aspect that is kind of lacking right now in the space is the incentive for project founders to connect what they're doing in Web3 to the real world, frankly, and sort of taking that accountability in using our knowledge of the space to help onboard more people. And it's just so important for the future of Solana, for the future of Web3, and just seeing actual growth here so that we can create a real working economy and not just kind of continue to feed into maybe the current sort of flippers behavior that we're seeing a lot of. So I guess besides you two, do you have any other people on your team right now? And can you maybe describe what that structure looks like and, and what their roles are if you do have any other team members? Yeah. So we currently have two uh, community advisors and they are also the founders of Skull Club NFT. And then we're also currently borrowing two of their moderators and they're just helping us keep our Discord like family friendly and make sure people kind of play nice since we are trying to set really like a family atmosphere. Yeah, Absolutely. 
One of the things I like to kind of probe a little bit more about is, you know, as a project team, right, here in a decentralized space where anonymity is just so prevalent and so coveted, like people want to stay anonymous. You know, one of the most important aspects of building trust in this space is to really just share information about yourself, right? Share information about your previous work experience, like IRL and Web3, what your qualifications are, what your kind of motives and incentives are for starting a project. So can you both kind of speak a little bit towards, you know, why you you and your team are kind of doing this and, and what sort of background experience you have that really makes your vision a solid investment? So for me and Chris, part of the vision is for our family. I've got background in the medical tech field. We've got very strong person-to-person customer service skills. We've got enterprise skills. Really, we're trying to grow something for our family, something that we can work really, really hard right now and have something for the future to continue building on and not just keep it for ourselves. But, you know, we want to be a DAO. We want to share it with others. We could have other coffee shops and other places, help people open their own businesses. I don't know, as far as our skills, we've been learning a whole lot of tech. (laughs) We've been coding nonstop and, and educating ourselves. So we do have the answers to any question that someone can bring to the table. I guess something that I would just kind of add on to that is we really want to set like the forefront of transparency, right? Brittany and I constantly show our faces. We've been doing that on, on Instagram for actually several years now. But we show our family, we show us doing stuff with our family. In the Solana ecosystem, of course, everyone sees it, all the rug pulls, and everyone wants to remain anonymous. And, and I completely understand that, but also think that the meta should shift and should be more about real people that can offer something real and not someone just hiding behind a keyboard in a sense. 100%. And I love to see honest builders like you both trying to shift that paradigm and making a conscious effort to do that. And kind of on this flip side of the same coin with that whole sort of anonymity aspect, you know, the current market at the moment, and I can really only speak towards Solana, but I'm sure there are similar market trends across other blockchains. The current market is very much in favor of sort of the average degen, right? Or the average flipper who are just kind of in this space to make a quick buck versus, you know, actually looking to invest in genuine business owners that are here for the long term and want to make a long term impact. So with that, you know, as a real world utility project, which that's how I kind of refer to it. We have Jittery Coffee, Web3 Connect is also a kind of real world utility in a sense. Can you talk about any challenges that you've sort of seen in marketing your project and growing interest in your brand when, again, the market tends to favor, you know, sort of hype and things that are very different than like providing real world utility? Yeah. So I definitely think as far as the Solana ecosystem that it has been a challenge just to simply get noticed, right? Everyone, you know, is really taking on that degen mentality. And that's just not really something that like sets very well with Brittany and I. We're not like the most like aggressive people in the entire world. So I think getting in the Solana ecosystem, just getting people to notice real builders is somewhat of a challenge right now. Because like you said, 
a lot is based around hype and just flipping and trying to make a, a quick buck. But hopefully we can help encourage a transition over to real people doing some real things, because essentially that's what Solana is going to need to survive, in my opinion. I think at some point the hype will phase out. So yeah, there definitely are some challenges with just getting noticed right now because of the hype and stuff. But that's also one reason why we're expanding over to WAX. We absolutely love the WAX blockchain. It's very much about real people that want to make a real connection. And it's mostly all creators and builders. We've made friends that are video game developers, rappers in Brazil, musicians, artists, you know, people that make some really awesome stuff. And so that's one of the reasons why we are tying in the WAX blockchain as well, because it actually is a little bit different and it's nowhere near as much of a, um, a fight to get noticed, if that makes sense. Yeah, 100%. And it's especially hard kind of delivering IRL utility because most people around the world can't really play with that. So that's actually why I'm really curious about like the shipping aspect, right? Like you plan on shipping out probably bags of coffee with the Jittery Ape like brand on it. And in that way, you kind of tie it internationally. Right? That's pretty cool. And it's funny, actually, when I first got into crypto and I had this like beautiful just beginner's brain where I just didn't know anything and I thought anything was possible and it still is. Um, but the one thing I see more than anything is how can crypto kind of be used to coordinate like real scalable mass effort towards a certain goal, right? And I was looking through your light paper and you guys had mentioned a couple of sustainability initiatives and you kind of tied that in with DAO voting as well. So it made me wonder like if the local community is going to thrive from the decisions that the DAO makes, if they're like incentivized to kind of make their little corner of the world in, in Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee, like to make that more sustainable. So I'm really excited about what that future kind of holds. Can you talk us through what those sustainability initiatives might look like and then and maybe how that ties into the DAO in like voting structure? So for the um, sustainability kind of like focus areas, we do want to be able to do things in our immediate community. We want to, you know, donate the coffee grounds that people can come by and pick up for free to put in their gardens. We want to teach people how to garden, how to start small gardens to feed their families themselves from their backyard or from their apartment's porch because things in this world aren't easy. It's hard to get clean, easy to buy food in some places. And that's part of what we want to do to give back to the community. And with our DAO, we want them to be the building blocks for it, but also help us find ways to also spread that around the world. So it's not just right here in our corner where we can make an impact in other places as well. So that's the beautiful thing about a DAO, right? Once you have governance tokens, anyone can not only vote, but they can also make a proposal, right? So if someone you know, decides, hey, I want to make a proposal, maybe my hometown is a little bit congested. Maybe it's like New York or something, and there's not many areas to garden. And I want to start an initiative for a community garden within my hometown. Well, as a DAO, all you have to do is meet that quorum vote, right? So once there's so many votes or governance tokens allocated to that decision, then that gets passed automatically. And to me, that's a beautiful thing. And that's something that we're really trying to work toward to make sure that we can incorporate that into the project. It's actually fascinating, the structure that you're trying to make, in particular the DAO, because the first thing that came to my mind when you mentioned New York was how many people are also interested in creating a more sustainable New York? And in my mind, it's like only the people that are in New York. But I did wonder what if the DAO decides they end up wanting to vote for, I don't know, like maybe you guys can ship out like a 
home grow, like get started pack. I don't know if you've ever bought one of those, but it's, it's like a little, how do I describe it? It's like a package that gets mailed or like shipped to your house. And basically it's like a home starting, like grow kit. They give you like seeds and they give you, I mean, depending on the company, it's like agar or like some medium that you could grow it in. And it just, it had me thinking of like, you really can kind of not preach, but deliver sustainability and sustainable like pieces of utility like IRL utility that people can bring to their own home and start their own home garden it's just it's really really cool where the ceiling is for your project it literally is limitless the way I'm hearing it right now so I'm super stoked that you guys are building this out awesome yeah I, I mean honestly we're really pumped about it too and maybe just like a little bit more about our background I guess we can kind of add a little bit I actually grew up on a farm here in middle of Tennessee and Brittany is as grown these sunflowers that are like literally 12 or 14 feet tall. So we have a little bit of knowledge whenever it comes to to growing stuff and self-sustainability and stuff like that. Very cool. Very cool. I actually was just talking to somebody about this the other day of how even in like an apartment, like you were just saying, even if it's just indoors, they have these like indoor planter things that you can grow you know certain vegetables and herbs and stuff inside of an apartment just like next to your window which it's it's cool that you can do that and I like how your project is like taking the sort of aspect of sustainability and incorporating that and encouraging others to do that as well when it comes to marketing specifically I know in the crypto and nft space Twitter is just huge, right? Everybody relies on Twitter to market their projects, market themselves, because there's already this like pre-existing crypto NFT community there. I think I heard you mention that you use Instagram to market as well, but can you talk a little bit about like what other social platforms you use to market your project consistently and which ones you've kind of seen the most success with? Yeah. So uh, currently we use, of course, Twitter, pretty big on Instagram as well. We also run ads through Facebook. We've got it set up to where if we post in one place, it's going to push to all of our preferred platforms. One, to optimize our time. So we're not flipping through each social media, trying to get an upload completely perfect, but we're pushing from Twitter to Instagram, to Pinterest, to Facebook, to Reddit, to all the places. <laughs> I actually love Zapier and workflow automations. I've made probably a couple hundred of them at, at this point. And so I'm pretty bad about, about just wanting to find a way to simplify things. So like she said, whenever it comes to pushing across like social media and stuff, I think it's a lot of fun just to have that challenge of setting up like a workflow automation to be able to push that to all the social medias that we can just to help spread, you know, maximum awareness, really. I mean, that's really smart. And I know a lot of Web2 businesses do that. I'm not sure how common that strategy is here in Web3, but it, it should be because it saves a lot of time on your end and make sure that you're being consistent across all those social platforms. Kind of shifting gears a little bit. I know you've mentioned you're in Nashville, Tennessee. First of all, so am I. So we definitely need to link up in person. I would love to meet you guys and get a coffee sometime soon. But besides the point, Tennessee recently passed a law where an LLC can operate as an LLC DAO. And they're actually the second state to offer this option. So you guys are looking to offer profit sharing from a real business legally, which is huge. So many projects in this space have to jump through all of these hoops in order to do this without the risk of like potential future interference from the SEC, like once policy starts to crack down on the space. And so I recognize you're not lawyers, but can you share a little bit 
about how this process has worked for you and what you've sort of had to do on your end to make this happen, like if you've started that process at this point? So where we're at right now, we have our established LLC. We are seeking legal counsel to have it transferred to an LLC DAO so it can be official before we can promise the moon. But we do want to establish a governance token. We want to establish ways for our community to gain from the interests. But we are, you know, looking to get our finalized paperwork done, finalized legal advisement. So there's not a whole lot that we can legally promise at the current second, but it is all in the works. The fact that it's in the works already is just a huge step towards, I think, what a lot of projects are hoping to see in this space in the future is being able to do that without, you know, running into that risk like I was explaining. So that's really cool that it feels like you guys are going to probably be one of the first, maybe not the first, I can't uh, talk for all blockchains, but one of the first projects to actually go through that process legally, which is really, really cool. And I'm excited to see how that sort of comes to fruition over the next however many months or who knows how long the process is going to take. I know those things can kind of get finicky. On a completely unrelated note, I saw that you guys had tweeted something and it said, instead of worrying about your portfolio during this bear market, teach yourself some coding. And First of all, yes, preach. I was just talking to Noland about once some time frees up for me, I'm going to be teaching myself how to code and specifically Web3 development because as a project founder, I've come to realize that those skills are super sought after and worth a lot of money. So if I can contribute to the technical build of my own website versus having to rely on other devs and also maybe do some freelancer work while I'm at it, like that is truly the dream. So I'm just curious, do either of you know how to code or are you interested in learning? Is that something you would look into? Yep. So uh, both Brittany and I know a little bit. Brittany knows a little bit more than I do at this point. But actually starting in August, I am attending a boot camp for full web stack development. And that's going to be through Coding Dojo, actually. But yeah, it's something that we've been interested in for quite some time. We're just self-taught at the moment. But it definitely is helpful as a project founder, just even the basics that we know, it's helped us out a lot, just even just like navigating the space and making content and stuff like that. And I know you just mentioned Coding Dojo. I was going to ask if you both had any recommendations on resources that might be helpful for listeners who are interested in teaching themselves how to code. Like besides Coding Dojo, are there any other resources you might recommend? Yeah, I can speak on that. So the very first one that tons of people in this um, you know, tech programming world are going to recommend is Free Code Camp. Each lesson is just structured so simply to teach you from the very beginning of what is the internet, what is the web, and HTML and CSS. So that's kind of where I started. I'd say maybe a, a year ago now, I started on Free Code Camp, and I've kind of moved up from there and done different free resources to teach myself things and to start building projects. And then from there, I've kind of done a few paid small boot camps, but definitely Google is your friend and Free Code Camp is a great resource just to try it out, to start somewhere. With all the information we have at our fingertips, right, for free online, in your journeys of learning how to code, have you found that you can pretty much do it for free, like just with free resources you've found online? Or do you feel like those sort of paid boot camps and paid trainings are kind of necessary? 
I would say yes, someone can go from zero to 100 with free resources. Paid resources give you a little bit more structure because if you're doing it for free, you're on your own. You know, you got to wake up, you have to do it yourself. No one's checking your work. Um, There are some paid resources out there where you can have your code reviewed. Um, You do have deadlines. So that kind of helps motivate some people. But if you can be a self-taught, self-paced person and you have goals and you want to accomplish something, it's 100% possible to start from nothing, start learning, build a credible portfolio and, you know, get that job. It's possible. That's awesome. I mean, the abundance of free information out there is just absolutely ridiculous. I will say I was super pleased to see that in your white paper, you guys had outlined your financials down to what percentage is going where with respect to the money that you raised during your mint funds. I mean, first of all, I freaking love that you guys have this level of transparency. So many projects don't do this. I mean, how many of them rug? How many of them just don't want to share that their financials are god awful? Um, So I love the transparency there. I am curious, after the mint, do you guys plan on releasing more specific financial metrics, like particularly regarding like costs associated with opening and maintaining the business, like the coffee production, the rent, employees, etc.? Yeah, that information will 100% be provided, especially to the DAO side of things. We'll be 100% transparent with all of it. You know, we're still learning a lot of that as well. We've got a commercial real estate agent and, you know, learning the numbers, learning the square footage, learning equipment. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to share. So as we have more stable things, we will be updating, we'll be sharing, and we're happy to answer any question about any financial piece of the project that someone might have. Someone might think of something that, you know, we've said it a hundred times, but we just forgot to note it somewhere. So we're definitely 100% open about it. And it's interesting. I mean, the NFT, of course, is its own revenue source, but it's kind of like a Kickstarter to get your coffee shop quite literally off of the ground, right? And then you can continue to make money off of the royalties and secondary attention that it's getting. Is that kind of part of the idea there as well in terms of continuing to fund the other ambitious parts of your roadmap? Yeah, exactly. Yes, we'll be using uh, percentages of secondary market sales to keep funding a lot of things, even like the green initiatives. Not sure if we stated earlier, but we do have a goal of planting 500 trees before 2023, and we're slowly working up there. But yeah, so we'll be using secondary market sales just to kind of help guide us through. And then also, like I'd stated earlier, you know, right now we're in season one. There's two mints within season one. But as we go and we expand into different seasons, which we just kind of think of the seasons as like, um, like our season of life in a sense, right? So like season one is just kind of like getting started. And then season two is going to be really like branching out. We will release more NFTs that will be minted and clearly showing how those funds and stuff will be used as we progress. So I'm wondering, as you continue to mint out new NFTs, does that like dilute the value of the NFTs themselves? Or is it just more opportunities for more people to access that 25% discount or more chances to kind of get that 10 plus NFT count that you need to get into the DAO? Yeah. So in the beginning, the NFTs will be kind of geared toward getting into that DAO getting the governance tokens and stuff like that. But the way that I really see it is past season one, the NFTs are going to go more along the VIRL line to where an NFT will actually represent a product, right? So you meant an NFT labeled a certain bag of coffee, then that's going to be redeemable for that bag of coffee. So that's kind of how I envision that. 
I am curious, and I'm not sure if you all have sort of thought this far ahead, because I typically am not so fond of this question of like, what is your five to 10 year goal, right? Like who thinks that far in advance, right? But I'm curious, what are you guys hoping to achieve in the longer term with Jittery Ape Coffee? Like, are you planning to expand your brick and mortar locations across the nation or potentially do some type of franchising? Or is that just kind of so far down the line that you haven't yet sort of explored those options? No, yeah. So we've actually definitely thought about that. It's definitely within our vision to franchise the brand, continue reaching out. We actually attended VCon uh, just a couple weekends ago. And Brittany can tell you, I think I maybe even tweeted it. My goal is to speak at VCon about the success of our project. And so that's going to be through franchising the brand, pushing it out, you know, getting other people involved. So yeah, we definitely have a vision several years in advance. It may not be like fully like tuned in, but an overall view is definitely there. So kind of more holistically on the entire market, because it's sort of difficult to build in a bear market, especially when you're used to seeing number go up only like you meant out in soul and soul appreciates and oh my God, now you have more money. But in a bear market where soul isn't worth that much and it's kind of chopping sideways and it could even go down more, hopefully not with the developments we're seeing right now, but I mean, it's absolutely possible. It is harder to build in a bear market. And I'm curious what your thoughts are in the current crypto market in general, maybe kind of the risk off mindset that a lot of people have and what that means for Jittery Ape in the longer term. I think the side of our business that is real and focusing on real people kind of gives us something to leverage off of. We're not sitting on Twitter waiting for someone to just happen to retweet one of our tweets and a mint out happen. We're actually trying to create something that real people are going to be able to walk in and use. So yes, there's um, a lot of uncertainty in the Solana world and in the markets, but we're not rushing it. We're building it properly and, and doing everything that a real business needs. So we're not, we're not that worried because we're doing it the right way. Gotcha. And part of the right way, just to kind of summarize from my own understanding, part of the right way being that you're not so much tied to the woes of the market, right? Up and down, you you still are kind of grounded in the revenue that your business, your IRL business is able to generate. Is that correct? Yeah. In the long run, yeah. Um, we still have to get there. So this season one will definitely help push us to get to that physical location. So yeah, there are some worries, but we're working with what the market is doing. Okay, cool. And another question for you. So we like to ask all of our guests this. So what do you think is underrated in this space? So not referring to a project, but more so like character traits or like ways to kind of select your focus and kind of ignore the noise and prioritize what is important. So for an example, there could be like maybe patience is underrated or you feel like a lot of investors are focusing too much on the floor price of a project instead of on the project team themselves. Like anything that you think people in this space maybe should be doing more of. Yeah, you know, I, I honestly think that people should be looking at more of the people who are behind the project and less about staking for dust. Sorry, I didn't mean to go there, but <laughs> Less about like a, a utility that literally almost everyone is utilizing and just trying to gain hype from. I think there needs to be more of a focus on 
just the people that are behind the project and, you know, what they believe, what their conviction is and what their plans are. And like you kind of touched on, not so much about the floor price or trying to stake it for another utility token in hopes of getting a mint that is going to be kind of hard to get. Yeah. So I kind of think that's where the, the focus should transition over to is to the people that are behind the project. No, completely agree. You said something I actually really liked or resonated with when you were talking about you look at the founder's conviction. What do they have conviction and what do they see the space becoming and how are they kind of driving their little ship to make that a reality? And I would ask you two, what do you have conviction in? Why should people believe in you? Because we have a clear vision. We know what we want. We have goals that are already set in place. We're building something for our family. It's not it's just some drop by night thing that's just, you know, we're not just going to go away tomorrow or anything. No matter what, Brittany and I are going to build a coffee shop. And to be honest with you, it, it doesn't have to be tied to NFTs. I totally get what you guys are saying, right? Like you have this vision, you know what you want to do. You're creating your coffee shop and you just so happen to be integrating NFTs because you believe in the NFT space and blockchain infrastructure and you want to contribute to it. So it's not like, you know, a lot of people coming into this space where they're just looking to make money. <laughs> they're just looking to make, you know, raise a bunch of funds to just rug and move on to the next project. Like you're actually wanting to build an enterprise that has both you know, impact and value in real life, but also in the Web3 world. And like, that is just super commendable. Thank you. And sometimes it's hard to, you know, get that out there and have people understand your passion behind it. It's being real. Yeah. And Solana is just, you know, driven so much by hype. I, I guess really what I was trying to say was whether we get the Solana hype bandwagon behind us or not, Brittany and I are still building a coffee shop right? Like this is still happening regardless. No, absolutely. And I can totally resonate with the difficulty of getting people to understand that and getting people to resonate with your vision and your passion on something, especially just because of the current market trends and the way that the majority of the consumer population here in the space sort of thinks and what their sort of priorities are. But I think seeing builders like you guys and, you know, giving them a platform to talk about what they're doing and what they're creating, hopefully will kind of push us towards a future where that is more prominent, you know, where we have more people coming in here, really wanting to build and create a better future for themselves, for the community, for Web3. Like, that is what I love to see. And that is one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is hearing from people like you who, you know, have that goal and that vision for the future. I am curious to hear, like, so far on your journey of creating your company, right? Creating your brand and integrating that with NFTs. What have you found to be like kind of the most challenging part? I know that's kind of a, a very loaded question, but if there's any sort of challenges or obstacles specifically that sort of stand out to you so far. I think one of the main things for me, I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a, a huge challenge, just maybe a little bit more of like a personal challenge is I just want to make sure that I offer realistic utility to my community and i've spent several nights literally just sitting there like thinking like is this enough utility like is this good enough yeah no i can definitely relate to that because when we you know started web3 connect my first thought was to create a website right kind of like fiverr and upwork where people can come and freelancers can monetize their services and project founders can you know find talent but i have that same question i was like 
is this enough? Because it feels like every other project has like 10 million things going on and like, you know, four different core pillars of utility. And I eventually realized that a lot of those projects are over-promising and under-delivering. And they're saying that they're going to do all of these things, but all of those things might really not have that much value for the end consumer. And it also sort of diverts your focus from doing one thing really well. So I personally like that strategy of focusing on one thing, doing it well. And then in the future, of course, you can expand and do other things if that's sort of in the cards for you. But I totally 100% agree and, and can resonate with that. Just to kind of close it out, what would be sort of the best piece of advice that you could give somebody who is wanting to start in this space and wanting to start their own project? And maybe even specifically somebody who's wanting to start a project with real world utility, right? And not kind of your typical project that you see a lot of. I'll go ahead and give my answer. It may not be what you expect. It is to be nice to others, right? Especially in the Solana ecosystem, there's so much of just like aggressiveness, I guess you could say toward others. And I, for one, just kind of pride myself on just being nice and trying to be helpful to everyone. And that has 10 X for me. That's been like a, a huge thing. So in my opinion, the best advice I could offer is simply to just be kind to others. I've had some people that have been very helpful to me without me really asking for it. And I think that it's just because I was nice to them. And then the same in return, right? I try to be super nice and helpful to people that are nice to me versus sometimes you encounter people that, you know, maybe making a project very, very similar to yours. Um, and they kind of see it as like competition. They instantly start kind of like hating on you and stuff on Twitter. That's just not my thing. And I think that that's something that can be avoided. So someone looking to get into that space, I would definitely suggest to ask questions. You know, not everything is brand new. There's someone out there who's thought of it or is working on it and they can have valuable information or tips, make connections. Don't be afraid to ask questions and take your time. Don't rush it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I really admire those answers and I think they both sort of come back down to finding a community of yours in the space and making friends, right? Like growing your network, making genuine connections too, right? Not because you're looking to get something out of somebody, but because you're genuinely interested in what they're doing and what they're building and think that maybe you can provide value to them. We talk about this a lot on the podcast, the importance of networking and making genuine connections in this space, because that will really make or break you. So I really like that advice of just being nice to people. Like it's so, it sounds like such a simple concept, but you really will encounter people who will go above and beyond to support you and help you out just because they like you as a person. So I think that's a really important lesson to learn. So I'm happy that you guys touched on that. With that said, we're pretty much closing it out here. So before we end, I will just pass it over to you both to see if you have any closing thoughts or if you want to share how people can keep up with you or remind people about your sort of coffee drop this weekend. Um, just share anything you, you want to share before we close. Yeah, so we have our coffee dropping on the 25th at 8 a.m. Central Time, and we really encourage anyone to just even visit our site and check it out. We want people to learn about us. You don't have to buy the coffee, but we would love it if you did. Our first 100 bags of coffee will have a free NFT that will be tied to it. And we want people to, you know, stop by and say hello, whether it's on Twitter or on 
our Discord. Um, we want to get to know you. We want you to get to know us. Let's be friends. <laughs> and we're excited for the future of the Jittery Ape. There is a lot more to come. And, you know, this is just the start. All right. Thank you for that. And thank you both so much, Chris and Brittany, for joining us today. I think this conversation has been really unique because we're just now starting to interview with a focus more on the project versus I think a lot of our previous episodes have been focused on an individual person and kind of their story and if they're a community manager or a mod, like what they kind of do in the space. So we're now starting to integrate project interviews and really you're our second project interview. And I'm glad you were because again, I love what you guys are doing in terms of just promoting that sort of real world utility aspect to it. I, I feel like I'm beating the dead horse with this because I've said it a bajillion times, but I'm really passionate about it. And I want to see more people doing that. And I think you guys are setting a great example to model off of for people who are interested in doing so. Thank you again so much for joining us. And it's been a pleasure having you. Thank you so much for having us. All right, guys, that is all we had for you today. Make sure to follow at the Jittery Ape on Twitter. If you'd like to keep up with us, we're at Web3ConnectX. And if there's anyone you'd like to hear on the podcast next, shoot us a DM and we'll try our best to get them on for you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next week. Thank you.